Don't worry, we get Nathaniel Hackett Monday night, guys and gals. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. No, not a Thursday night affair for Nathaniel Hackett. For that, we get Commander's Bears, y'all. Buckle up. Buy a hat and hold <laughs> on to it. That's going to be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Um, maybe this game got a little more interesting because of this bombshell ESPN report about Daniel Snyder that dropped this morning. I don't know. The only intrigue that comes from the commanders is just all the awful things that their owner is alleged to have done. Well, I think the angle that applies to the game the most is Carson Wentz, that only, Daniel Snyder wanted him there. Yeah. Seems like the coaching staff did not. And, you know, how long a leash does this guy get if he loses a couple more games? Are they going to bench him? I think that's definitely in play now. And I would ask you this question, and I'm not saying this to be a jerk. I really am curious. Does anybody care? I don't think that Carson Wentz elicits any kind of emotion from anyone. Maybe former, you know, maybe Eagles fans because of what could have been. But even you guys have moved on. The Eagles are 5-0. and You got Jalen Hurts. Who cares? No, I think Carson. You won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Carson Wentz is a footnote now for the Eagles. I think Carson Wentz fascinates football fans. Really? Oh, my gosh. That that meltdown against the Jags last year. Oh, I think Carson Wentz is top 10 fascinating quarterbacks. I think people... Top you 10 say, out of how many? <laughs> I mean, nothing's... Like, look at a... You, Kirk Cousins is not fascinating. You say Carson Wentz in a bar, everyone's like, ooh, what do you what do you think? I think Carson Wentz is much more intriguing than all these other what guys. What bars are you going to? Why do you <laughs> hang out with all these boring people? Carson, Carson Wentz... Wentz I, I think Justin Fields is actually the way yeah. more interesting quarterback who's playing tonight by a mile. Are you kidding? Car- I think you're dead wrong. I think Carson Wentz has always been a lighting rod. He he's might have a, a always total been, lighting but rod. he's like, he's one foot out the door in the league if this doesn't work with the commanders. Uh, absolutely, but he, even if he is one foot out, like you take, he went in the same draft as Jared Goff. Jared Goff, nothing. Zero. Flat lighting. Nobody cares. Yeah. There's no interest one way or the other. Carson Wentz is always been a lightning rod, even when he was good in Philly. He just seems to attract these odd situations, and he's in the oddest situation where his coach called him out the other day. He's on a team that doesn't want him. His numbers happen to be really good. Nobody even knows well, if he's any good. his numbers were fine last year, and nobody cared. Until the, the, he Until was the actually, owner could not drive him to the airport fast enough. It was interesting because he completely melted down in Week 18, which is part of the Carson Wentz experience. He'll, he'll make a throw <laughs> that maybe three quarterbacks in the league can make, and then he'll switch it to his left hand and throw it to a lineman four <laughs> feet away from him. He's, I think he's totally fascinating because he's very, very talented. He's just totally dysfunctional you know, in a bizarre got, way. And he's got bad decision-making. And see, that's yeah. another thing. I don't know if you can fix that because the only way you can simulate like the craziness about the end of a football game or something like that is to actually be in the situation. You know, you, how, how do you simulate that in practice when things are going totally haywire? You can try, but it's not going to come close to being the real thing. And right. his decision-making is not improved. But he has had a lot of success. I mean, he basically had the Colts headed really good places last year until totally fell apart. At I mean, a lot of year. success. I know he's had yeah. injuries that kept him from big success. Well, How many playoff games did he win? One? One, but he's had, I mean, listen, you're describing him like he's Nathan Peterman. I, he's had a lot of, I think he's had a lot of success. He was 13-1 and one with the Eagles or something one year. He had he had 27 touchdowns and seven picks last year. Even this year, he's in the top five. Let me see. His numbers will blow you away. They're like really strange how good they are. I know, but they've never amounted to much. And I think that's why nobody really cares. And a guy who's on his third team now, 
I don't know. Yeah, no, he's definitely I think Justin, he's not good. I think Justin Fields is the way more interesting thing here. Really? Gosh, I don't feel there's Well, any... their offense isn't interesting, but what happens with Justin Fields? Is he actually a good quarterback, or is the team like not putting weapons around him because they secretly want to pick another quarterback in the draft because it's a, whole, a, no, a new regime in Chicago? Like That stuff to me is fascinating. Carson Wentz, like old news. Really, I feel like the Bears this season. I mean, honestly, you have to work out your your thumbs so you can turn it fast when they come <laughs> on the red zone. They are the most boring offense. It's just nothing. That, their games are torture to watch. And tonight's gonna be torture. I could go game for game. Every game has been completely awful. Awful. The Giants game twenty to twelve, terrible. That was bad. The Week One win in the monsoon, yeah, awful. Right. I don't remember what they the other games game. were. Actually, last week was a pretty good game, but they, it's the Vikings. Yeah, they, they're off, it's not a modern offense. It's terrible. It's painful to watch. So that's the game tonight. We also are looking ahead to Sunday because you have some really, really good games coming up Sunday. And one of them is Cowboys and Eagles, and that's going to be Sunday night. Now, we've had a lot of conversation about Cooper Rush. And not because we think that Cooper Rush is the one who is leading this, you know, Cowboys team to the 4-1 and one start. We all know it's the defense. We get that it's the defense. But we asked yesterday, fill in the blank. If the Cowboys upset the Eagles on Sunday, dot, dot, dot. Well, Troy Aikman was on the radio in Dallas today. And even he stepped into the quarterback controversy and attempted to answer our question. I'm going off of what the owner said. Okay. And, and, and you know, he said that he would welcome a quarterback controversy. And I understand what he's saying. He's yeah. meaning, I hope we win, right? I hope we win without Dak and and that people are, are wondering what we should do. If they're winning and they win a big road game against Philadelphia, I could see where there is some pause and you say, well, you know, how do how exactly do we handle this? And and I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in no way. You know, I, can, I can see it now. The headlines are. <laughs> Aikman says play rush. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. I mean, Dak is uh, the quarterback of this franchise. I love the guy, and uh, and they're better with Dak at quarterback. But the team's playing good football right now. 96.7, the ticket in Dallas. And it is that question, while Troy definitely hedged at the end, you know, he loves Dak and Dak's the quarterback, but it is the what if if they win on Sunday. And it's not because Cooper Rush is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. No one's saying it, but – a winning formula is a winning formula, Perloff. And now yeah. even Troy Aikman's acknowledging it. Okay, but let's play this out in real life. If the Cowboys win on Sunday, it's going to be because they run the ball. There's yeah. just no way. They're not going to put Cooper Rush against this pass defense. That's why the Eagles cornerbacks are amazing this year. It's going to be run, 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 yeah. defense, defense, defense. So if he has another game like last week where they won, but he only threw for 100 yards, right. I think it's going to be easy to switch to Dak because they're going to notice that the pass game isn't productive. Right, that's that's the only. If Cooper Rush throws for three hundred yards, they're going to lose. That's not a good scenario. That's not what you want. That's no. not what you want. So I feel like, unless I, the guy balls out and has the game of his life, I mean, he could he could have a two hundred and thirty five yard fat passing game. That's not crazy to think. Yeah, but it's possible. It's possible. I feel like that, and he has had two hundred thirty five yeah, yard. That's games. what I'm saying. I'm not. I feel like they're going to have to go real conservative, keep the ball. Uh, in their own hands the whole game. I, I just don't see a big passing game and a win. But to be honest, like even if Dak Prescott was the quarterback this week, that might be a good formula to beat the Eagles it's anyway. A great, no, it's a great formula. Yeah. And they have a real chance here. The Eagles are dealing with some injuries. So 
uh, on the offensive line. And, you know, Micah Parsons is impossible to stop. I think Hurts running away from Micah Parsons is the best subplot of this game. <laughs> you want Hurts over rushing yards? Well, he's amazing at avoiding sacks. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever. I don't know about rushing yards because I think Parsons is going to catch him. That's the problem. It's a, That's a one-on-one match. I would love if... Parsons just shadowed him the whole game. It's not going to be a Cooper Rush game is my point. So I think it's going to be easy to go back to Dak for this upcoming Lions-Bear stretch. I don't see – I've been wrong about this team before. I, I see very little chance of a real quarterback controversy. What about you? Um, I do too. I just am fascinated by the what if because I think players start to think, hey, this is a good formula for us. And it's more about the play callers. It's about McCarthy. It's about Kellen Moore. Can they resist having Dak Prescott back and being 100% feeling like, okay, now we've got to air the ball out more? Can they resist saying, oh, now we've got to be, you know, take advantage and, and really be throwing the ball downfield? Mm, can can, they, can right. they be, you know, we talk about this with quarterbacks when you play the two high safety things. It's like, are they going to have the patience to just be able to methodically work their way down the field? Or are they going to take the bait and try to go for the big throw? And that's where you can get into a mistake. And so I just wonder if the entire Dallas offense is going to have the patience or going to yeah. have the discipline to just keep going with what has worked. Yeah. I mean, there is a legitimate question, though. Will that formula work forever, though? I don't know. A defense is adjust. I mean, if they don't have a passing game option, I think you're going to see stacked boxes against the Cowboys run game. And the Cowboys run game is good, but I don't know. Am I terrified of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott right now? No. I, I'm terrified of Micah Parsons. I'm not terrified of that run game. Don't you think at some point they're going to have to start throwing? Well, but we've seen Cooper Rush have some nice connections with CeeDee Lamb. Like, they have had moments where they've taken advantage of the passing game, and it's worked for them, just not against a defense that's been as good as Eagles. Well, so I, far. Yeah, I mean, they against the Rams, it's a good defense. They totally shut down the passing yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, against the Commanders, they were able to find some holes there. The Giants, we think they're a good pass. They're, they might be a good defense with McMartindale, yeah. but... You know, I mean, we'll see a that lot. That wasn't a high-scoring affair. We'll see a lot this week because the Cowboys, if 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 they keep playing like this, the expectation is they're a competitive playoff team. And don't, don't throw the Commanders game out. You're going to have to see how they play against a team like the Eagles. I think they need a passing game at some point. You can't throw for 140 yards and beat the best teams. I mean, look at your teams playing this week, Buffalo and Kansas City. Yeah. You have to throw, to even be in that game, both quarterbacks are going to have to go for 350. Man, and the over-under on that game was what? 50, it's like 53? 50, yes. It's like, what? I mean, I think there's going to be way more than that, right? I don't, I, I'm don't. i not sure. No, actually. but they never really go too much higher over 53. Yeah, yeah 54 I mean, and a half is like probably the, the highest. What are the Bills have scored how many points in the last well, few times? Well, I mean, but a lot. But also, the Bills, it's just been a little bit more. They've had a couple blowouts that are kind of, you know, tipping the scales. They blew out the Steelers. They blew out the Titans. Oh, right, right. So, in terms of, like, their points per game, it looks crazy. But, right, but last year, they went to Arrowhead in both games. Yeah, and went, they were high-scoring games. Went enormous. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a high-scoring game. There's no way. So, you should take the over on that one. If you, it's 54 on DraftKings. Okay. Yeah, it feels like that's a pretty safe over, which means, of course... Yeah, that's going to somehow turn into a defensive battle here. Yeah, it's it definitely has a chance to go against this is, form. This is what I really don't understand, and I'm not just saying this to try to guard myself as like some kind of Bills fan because you guys know how scared I am all the time because, you know, that's who I am. How are the Bills favored in this game? See, I, I don't I, you're understand saying, no, no, that. No, 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 you're just saying that as a skeptical Bills fan. I am fan. not. I'm really genuinely curious. I don't know how the Bills are favored in this game. It's the revenge factor, I think. I think everyone's – you saw the Rams game. You think Vegas goes on revenge factor? Yes. I think – I think yes, I do think 
there's much more incentive. I mean, the Bills are going to be have this date circled for a year. I think they're so into everyone thinks that. Yeah, but the Chiefs have tons of incentive. They need they want home field. It's not the same. You know what I'm talking Arrowhead about. Arrowhead is not the same. I think there's a perception that the Bills have been circling this day for a very, very long time. A game they should have won last year. Also, the Bills. Well, but this is the regular the Bills, season rematch. It's yeah. not the same. It's well, I think it's a big deal. Also, the Chiefs defense is still just terrible. There's just no <laughs> there's no two ways around it. They're terrible. Yeah. Nothing's changed there. Where the Bills seem much more solid on both sides of the ball. I think there's more complimentary football. I don't know. Bills are still dealing with a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Like I I I really don't get it, Stu. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the Chiefs, I'm kind of with Maggie on this. I, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Like it's this is a big game for Buffalo. Even if it's just a regular season game, like that. They have to have that in their head that this yes. is a moment that they kind of want to get that revenge from last year. Not that this will be the revenge, but it's a step, it's still a a big step game. in the right direction. I've yeah. said this whole season is like the Quentin Tarantino movie Kill Bill. This is Josh Allen's personal revenge tour on everybody. Right. You saw it against the Steelers last week. Remember, the Steelers went into Buffalo, beat them week one last year when there were a lot of expectations. Last week, you see him get a little revenge for that. Tennessee Titans was a bad loss for him last year. He gets revenge on them this year. Yes, but that's it's like not having your eye on the right mark. If you're thinking this is such an important game, then you're really not like seeing the Chiefs in the postseason is when this thing yeah, will matter. But I think you're discounting the human factor. I mean, that that was the hardest loss. It was a ridiculous loss. Yeah. I, I think and it's one have, that people remind yeah. Josh Allen and the Bills about all the time, he said, in interviews. He's like, people come up to me all yeah. the time and say, that's the greatest game I've ever seen. He's like, but we lost. I don't want to relive that. Also, I mean, the Chiefs really had to battle with the Raiders in Arrowhead, and the Raiders are 1-4. and four, So Well, but the Raiders jumped out to a big lead. I mean... Yeah, but that, that again, like, that points to what... I mean, they the Raiders, came back. The Raiders aren't going to Buffalo and, and having a... 17-point lead? A 17-point lead. Know. are going... I don't know. The Raiders... A couple big plays to Devontae Adams? Like, why not? So you better put your money where your mouth is. Everybody... I've I picked the Chiefs e to win the Super Bowl. I have put yeah. my money where my mouth now is. On Sunday, every expert I heard, which makes me... Everybody is picking the Bills. In fact, I'm surprised as I got up to three, like... The Chiefs, have, you got to admit, the Chiefs definitely <laughs> look like they will do nothing on defense. And Mahomes could disappear for a quarter at any given moment. He's amazing. You have no idea what's going to happen. But I think I think the argument is, and the reason the spread is, because everyone thinks that the Bills are going to come out like a house on fire, energy-wise. I think it's disrespectful to the Chiefs. It's disrespectful to a team that, first of all, has played well at home. Like, yeah, we can say they got down by 17, but they came back and won the game. So I think you have to give them respect. The home field is great. The crowd is awesome. I, I just is the home field that great? Is there? Yeah, any? it's uh, known as one of the great stadiums. Definitely. I don't know. It felt like you know. Are they you got doing a heel all... turn right now? This is <laughs> no. The Arrowhead is a very uh, players say this all the time. It is a really tough place to play. Uh, yeah, did the Bengals come back from 21-3 in Arrowhead? I, I don't know. Arrowhead Still doesn't scare understand. me for some reason. Really? As a Raider yeah. fan, it terrifies me, but I, that's <laughs> yeah, a lot of places. I'm pretty to be scared fair. of it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't. It's. I, I'd like to see the numbers on that one. What was the score of both games? Like, like we we got to look at this. Like, the, Josh Allen's going to go to town. I mean, there's just no way. The Chiefs are really not good. Uh, Listen, be, the behind their line of scrimmage, the Bills couldn't stop Kelsey last year. I wonder if they're going to be able to this well, year. It's going to be too. a great game. That's a, that's our only player. What is going on there? Can you just triple team the dude? Okay, so their their earlier game in Arrowhead was get the score, please. Thirty eight to twenty, Stu beat you. Thirty eight to twenty. So yeah, I mean, there's a really good reason to think they're going to score a lot of points. 
Yeah, I know, but that 38 to 20, the Chiefs won that game, right? No, Bills did. Bills won the regular season game. The Bills won the regular season game, yes. Yeah, yeah. I saw it like the the numbers of you average it to, like the Bills offense is incredibly efficient against the Chiefs. Yeah, and then what happened in the postseason? But the other thing, too, and I know how you think as a fan, if they do win the game, is it even good? Because you're going to face each other again in the playoffs. Like, do you want to have that win? I'd rather have the win in the postseason. Exactly. Like, look at last year with the Niners. The the Niners and the Rams. The Niners beat them twice in the regular season. It's hard to beat them the third time. So, who knows? We're going to over it. You know, I can't believe you don't think Arrowhead is a tough place to play. This has had a reputation of being so hard forever. Forever. Yeah, it's weird. I've seen that. I've seen lately the Chiefs just screw up at Arrowhead. It's bizarre. I, I don't know why. Chiefs fans, you gonna take that? 855-212-4CBS? 855-212-4227? Yeah. Not a home field advantage. I didn't say he's did not a see, home field advantage. I just said guy, it doesn't scare me if I'm the Bills. After the egregious roughing the passer, the guy who was in the Chiefs like jacket, you know, the suit jacket, he was screaming. In a way that was like, th- he if he could be on the field right now, he would murder the referee. Like, I would be worried. He he would just <laughs> tackle him and just not stop beating him up. It was That was real venom. You guys know what I'm talking about when they cut, no. to, the, they cut to the fan right Every after Every football f- fan wanted to do that because it was the most ridiculous pa- uh, rough in the passer call that we've ever seen. I know, but only and the I second feel like most we've ridiculous said that one of the weekend. Over and over again. Yeah. No, Kevin's right. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Okay, coming up, Hall of Fame college basketball coach. This is a real treat for us today. Got a lot of in-studio guests. Bob Huggins, never interviewed him before, Perloff. Have you? Uh, no. Get a chance to sit down with a legend, the Huggy Bear himself, Bob Huggins, West Virginia, is in studio. Newly minted Hall of Fame college basketball coach joins us next. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff right after this. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. It is our privilege now to be welcomed in studio by a man who's coached two Final Four teams, a man who is now in the Basketball Hall of Fame, Coach Bob Huggins from West Virginia. Congrats on the Hall of Fame, Coach. Thank you very much. How did that feel? This just happened a couple months ago. Yeah, felt great. <laughs> any uh, any wild encounters? Did, did you? I'm assuming you know most of the people, but did you have any conversations during the Hall of Fame induction weekend that would blow us away with Hall of Famers? Well, I listened to George. I listened to George Carl for quite a bit. Oh, by choice or by? <laughs> well, George finds needs to find someone to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> now he doesn't have a huddle anymore, right? No, he doesn't have a huddle. No, he's he's George is great to listen to. Yeah, he's right. got so many stories and about so many people. Fortunately, I'm not one of them. <laughs> well, you almost told this great story at your Hall of Fame induction speech that I know Perloff wanted to know about. Oh, yeah. It was a little close to his heart. Oh, so you mentioned that you tried out for the 76ers in 72. Mm-hmm. So I'm from Philadelphia, and that, that team was actually famous. I don't know if that was the nine-win team coming off the nine-win team. And they had a guy named Fred Carter who my father knew. Uh, but you didn't tell the story. You said, I'll have to tell it later. So what, what was that about? Well, the story was I got cut, but um, no, I, I went in and I think they just needed, you know, some body. So <laughs> I, I kept, they kept cutting people and I stayed and then they cut people and I stayed and at, at the kind of the end for me anyways, I was there with the number one pick and a number two pick. So we're, we're sitting in there waiting to hear, you know, who made it, who didn't make it, that kind of thing. Cause I knew I didn't make it. I was just kind of sitting in there, see who did. And so the trainer came over. His name was Aldomenico. They called him the Fonz. I guess they thought he looked like Henry Winkler. 
I didn't think that much, but um, so he comes in and said, Ewan's want to know who made it or who didn't make it. Well, both these guys jump up, say, hey, man, quit pulling with just tell us who made it. And he said, none of you. Bleeps. Really? Yeah. Wow. And ran out. <laughs> so he just ran out. So, and he was a jokester, you know. He was the guy that made everybody laugh. So they figure he's, you know, joking with them. And he doesn't come back. So now they go out in the hallway. And they're running up and down the hallway trying to find the guy to find out who made it, who didn't make it. In the meantime, I'm, I'm gathering up mementos, <laughs> stuffing them in my bag, you know, and I know I didn't make it. I'm out. Well, how would the trajectory of your life have been if you had made it uh, on an NBA team? I'd have sat on a bench a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, once you get into the Hall of Fame, you've had the career you've had. I mentioned the Final Fours. Like, is there any unfinished business left for you when it comes to coaching in college basketball? Sure. I haven't won yet. Does that still like eat at you, or how do you feel about that? I don't think it eats at me, but I would. It'd be nice to win one before I quit. So, also in your Hall of Fame speech, you talked about your dad um, and your a coach's son. Uh, when you're coaching today, do you still sort of hear your dad's lessons in your ear? Do you apply what you learned from him even to this year? I don't have to be coaching to hear my dad in my ears. Mm. I, I hear that. I hear that all the time. Uh, my dad was a great coach. I mean, if you, you look at or talk to anybody in Ohio, he was the pre, the, the predominant person about a basketball in the state of Ohio. So, yeah, I mean, you, I learned a lot. What makes a what makes him a great coach? What What's the difference between, you know, your average coach and a great coach like your dad and, and you and the elite guys that we were talking about? Well, I think, I think detail. Um, he practiced four hours. I mean, you can get a lot done in four hours. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know anybody else I've ever heard of that practiced four hours, but he practiced four hours, and it, and it was fundamental things. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't running up and down and, and playing and, you know, that kind of thing. It was fundamental things, fundamental things about basketball. So his teams were very fundamental, very, very sound in, in what they did. Coach Bob Huggins is in studio with us. So this must be exciting for you, I would imagine, where a guy who played for you and Joe Missoula is now going to be the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Now, it's a little bit of a unique situation how he got the job, but at the end of the day, he has the job. Have you reached out to him? Have you talked to him about what he's about to step into? He called me the morning that he found out he got the job. Woke me up, actually. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we talked. We talked in the morning, but uh, no, I mean Joe's uh, Joe's been a soldier. You know, he's he's been in the organization. He's worked. He's done everything that he's been asked to do. And I think that's what you do. You reward people who deserve to get jobs. And I think they obviously felt that Joe deserved a job. What's the biggest obstacle that's going to be facing him as he now steps into this big role? Like, he wasn't even one of the first guys on the bench for the Celtics last year. Now he's the head guy. That's an easy question. Winning games. <laughs> that's the biggest obstacle. You know, I mean, if you if, if he doesn't win games, obviously it's going to be his fault. How's it different? Uh, he's coaching the NBA. Is it, a, is it a different ball game to coach in that league compared to college? I don't know. I've never been there. But you know. Like, well, you know, I had opportunities, and for whatever reason, sometimes I look back and wish maybe I I had taken some of the opportunities that I had to coach in the NBA, but I can't complain about my life. My life's been pretty good. What's the closest you ever got to the NBA? Can you tell us now that it, it didn't happen? My, the first one was Miami, 
and I and I probably should have taken the Miami job. What year was this? Uh, it was I know it was right after when I think we got beaten in the Final Four, not the first time. This is a question that has just been on my mind for quite some time, and and because you're here in studio, we get to ask you. We just saw Arch Manning have this massive recruitment, right? All over the country, college football programs were lining up for Peyton and Eli's nephew, Arch Manning. We have Bronny James, mm. LeBron's son, who is a, a, a highly touted uh, high school basketball player. Yeah, Coach, we don't hear one thing about him getting recruited to college. Why is that? Why is no one recruiting Bronny James? I don't know other than the fact that, that maybe people think that he's going to go directly to the NBA. But right now he wouldn't be able to do that, right? He well, didn't. right now he wouldn't, but in, in a year or so he'll be able to. So, uh, wait, did you recruit his dad? I knew LeBron when LeBron was still at St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Sure. Yeah. You should have seen him play football. Really? Uh, he, he talks was about that. Big time. Yeah. He'd he'd have been he'd have been one of the great receivers of all time. Well, uh, and your dad was like an Ohio coaching legend, so obviously you have these ties to Ohio. Did did you try to get LeBron? Well, I coached at the University of Akron. Of course. Yeah. So I was in Akron and, and Cincinnati, St. Vincent St. Mary's was what, less than a mile. So what's something that we would be surprised to learn about LeBron James? What a good guy he is. Mm. Uh, he's a terrific guy, and and really always has been. Always, and he what he's done for the Akron community, the people in the Akron community. I I don't think very many people would or could or should have do because he's he's done it all. Okay, so your your friend Coach K is retired. Uh, have you heard from him? And is is he? Driving his wife crazy. Do you know what he's like? Uh, I can't picture the sport without him, but I, I wonder what he does, he's going to do on a day-to-day basis. No, I haven't talked to Mike. I you know I just I think sometimes you just kind of let people unwind, you mm. know. So I haven't bothered him. Roy's another story. Now I bother Roy. <laughs> yeah. Roy, Roy and I have become very dear friends mm. from the Michael Jordan fantasy camp. And I I told Roy when they they put us together. And I said, Roy, we're going to be fine. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're worried about recruiting, and I can't get the guys you recruit, and you don't want the ones that I recruit. <laughs> so we'll, 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 we'll get along great. And we have over the last whatever, eight, ten years, whatever, Roy and I have been very different. And I know you mentioned Coach Beheim. Uh In your speech as well, I assume you guys are pretty tight. Well, I played at West Virginia, and we played Syracuse. So he was coaching when I was playing. Do you remind That's, him of that every oh, chance every, you get? <laughs> every, every time I see him, I do. And actually, we were losing the game. We came back and won a game, and I was fortunate enough to make a couple free throws, and I, I kind of throw that at him at you know, a <laughs> time or two. But he's such a good guy, such a good guy. Yeah. I mean, who's going to be coaching longer, you or him? The way he's going, maybe him. Has NIL, the transfer portal, these two really big, huge things that have come now and kind of just changed everything, it seems like, in college athletics. Um, which one do you find has had the bigger impact on you and your program? Well, I jokingly said that, you know, I, I really like the deal that they all got cars. They don't ask to borrow mine. Now. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's good. I, I didn't know what I would think about it when it happened. I didn't I really didn't like the portal. I didn't like the idea of the portal, and now that it's come and gone, it's yeah, I kind of liked it. I mean, I think I think kids can then you know kind of because they do they watch basketball, they watch a lot of lot of basketball on television, and they 
you know, I would think, say, well, I'd like to play in that kind of style. So, you know, I think they get to pick style of play, uh, maybe to a degree coaching. Mm. Uh, so I think, I think that was good. I, I think that, and I, I mean, I was, I was a guy who got, you know, we got $10 a month and had to stand in line to get it. Mm. And when I played at West Virginia, I had $10 a month and, and it's tough. It's tough to, it's tough to make it, you know, and especially when you travel, you come back, the cafeteria's closed, you get nothing to eat, you got no money. Oh, those days are over now. I mean, they've got plenty of money to eat on and do whatever it is they do with it, and, and they got a car. So I uh, I played two years of JV basketball at Dartmouth College. Did you get a car? I did not get a car, but I have two years <laughs> left of eligibility at least. <laughs> do you need a middle-aged six-foot-four <laughs> shooter? I can, this is really the only reason we I, wanted you to come in today, and to be honest, like, just to try to I get think you'd make, off to West Virginia. I think you'd make me play defense, which would be a problem. <laughs> Well, here's 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 the truth. I've got enough bad players already. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. It, well, I'm a good spirit guy. Though. I don't need I don't need to recruit another bad player. I've, I've got enough already. Expert clipboard clipboard holder. This guy. Yeah. You know, Real I'm, a, rah, I'm rah. a good hype guy. Yeah. I don't know. A good pat on the good back. Culture guy. You got that? Do you know what to hype? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good alley-oops. Yeah. yeah my well, whole basketball I, career I, is like, hey, that guy's really good. I'm going to be befriend him. Well, hyping's one thing. I mean. Knowing what you're hyping is another. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. Coach, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for coming in. Uh, congratulations again on the Hall of Fame. Have a well, great season. Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks. This season, for the first time, you can hear every Westwood One NFL broadcast stream live for free Mondays, Thursdays, Sunday nights, the International Series, holiday triple headers, and every postseason game. Catch all the action on the Odyssey app on westwoodonesports.com, via Westwood One station streams, or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports. All sponsored by AutoZone. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your life for free. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. So let me paint a picture for you yesterday of the Perloff household at night. Okay. Phillies are in a 0-0 game in the seventh inning. Then Ronald Acuna leans into a pitch that was basically over the plate yeah. and ruins the entire night for the Phillies. Well, I mean, a little bit more happened, but sure, they lost. Not really. Uh, everyone and all these Braves fans are getting on Twitter like, oh, he threw at him. He threw at him. He leaned into the anyway. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Easy. So I switched. All to, of a sudden you start caring about baseball five seconds ago. And now you're really hyped up about it. So I switched, right. I switched to preseason basketball. Okay. And caught a little bit of KD is on fire right now. Yeah. I, my KD is wash take. Let's it was, scrub that. Did not age well. Well, yeah, but it's a long season. It's a long season. Let's put it that way. He's not a young man. I don't know. He looks I, good now. I think he's on that all weed diet now. It's yeah, really doing wonders. We'll we'll see about that. And I also checked out a little. Uh, for some reason, the Magic game was on. Did you know Bull Bull signed with the Magic this year? It's <laughs> awesome. And he was he's the best preseason player I ever saw. But I guess all the drama was really out in L.A. Oh wow! So you set up all the three boring games that you watched. That was the real stuff. <laughs> The real, real good stuff was happening with the Lakers last night. And it's almost like Russell Westbrook is like trying to make too obvious a point here. Because after everyone was talking nice in the offseason, Perloff, about, you know, even Russ and Patrick Beverly were going to get along. And Darvin Ham is getting all this buy-in with Russ. And everything's going to be fine. They're going to work this thing out or whatever. It was like he was trying to make a point. He was so obviously not in the Lakers huddle. Like when you watch this video, it's egregious. The whole team is basically 
by the free throw line before the game, the entire squad up to the 15th man on the bench is there doing like a, you know, one, two, three, go, whatever. And Ross is clearly anywhere, not couldn't be anywhere close to the huddle. And then during the game, Patrick Beverly tries to get everyone together. LeBron comes over. Anthony Davis comes over. Russ will not like come into their little in the middle of the game huddle. Yeah, no, I, I know. I see it. It's right. It's like, doesn't Russ know everyone's watching for exactly this? We're waiting for this. And you don't even wait till the regular season. <laughs> you do it in the preseason. Yeah, it's not. It's not good. I mean, I think one incident you could excuse. Like, who knows? Maybe he was fixing his shoelace or something. I don't know. Maybe he had a reason, but twice it does seem like it was intentional, right? Right. And so you want to bring more heat on you? Like, do you want more scrutiny? Now we're inviting more in. I'm not saying that he deserves to be like heckled or anything like that, but I'm saying like you're giving the doubters and the naysayers exactly what they want. You are hand spoon feeding it to them. Like, why would you do that? Why well, can't you fake it at least to just to try to get the heat off of you? But, Explain to me, who are these doubters and naysayers and who are they? What are they doubting? Because are they doubting that Russell Westbrook is good or that he wants to be there? Both. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone thinks he really wants to be there. So but... I don't think anyone thinks he's good anymore. I think that all went out the window last year. Well, but don't forget, I mean, last year felt like, it, you know, there were times when Westbrook was felt personally affronted by the crowd, by people heckling him, his family. I mean, it was like he was under siege. So why give red meat to the wolves here of fans yeah. who are going to essentially probably boo you even worse? Well, I here's really why I'm asking the question. Do people have an issue with Russell Westbrook or do people have an issue with the Lakers and how they're put together and everything that's going on here? I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, check and check. I think, Is anyone siding with Russell Westbrook over the Lakers? Well, I do think he got some sympathy because of the bad treatment that he was, you know, that that he was basically exposed to last year. Yeah. But with stuff like this, again, I'm not saying you should be heckled. I'm not in favor of that. I'm not condoning it. But I'm just saying, like, you can't look this standoffish yeah. in a preseason game and just essentially confirm what everyone already thinks about you, which is that you are not going to contribute to this team and that you, if you can't start, you're essentially going to take your ball and go home, that you don't even want to try to be a meaningful role player on this team. But it also confirms the theory that's been out there that the Lakers signed everybody they could to make Russell Westbrook uncomfortable so he'll leave. Right, but what but that he confirms do? that theory, which well, is on the Lakers, not on him. Okay, to sign Patrick Beverly, right, who is who, a long-time feud, and apparently Dennis Schroeder, they don't get along very well either. But then I don't want to have – then don't sell me on a preseason story that Russ mm. and Pat Beverly have buried the hatchet. They're best friends now, apparently. Now they're best friends because, of course, that's how it works. Remember the time when Russell Westbrook got tickets for Patrick Beverly's sister or something? Like, these BS stories that they feed us – but now we see the evidence on the court here, and it's body language, and it couldn't look worse. Yeah, I mean, listen, if I'm the Lakers, I'd rather have them looking at that uh, instead of something else. Like uh, what? The plus minus? <laughs> I mean, uh, just uh, somebody's looking old. I'm just going to say it. Come on, LeBron, you're had starting to dunk last night. He's above the rim. Did that look old? Above, yes, yes, it did. It, with his forehead's above the rim, that looks old. I thought, I think Russ. I mean, sorry, LeBron is starting to get... I do not have high hopes for this team. I don't think LeBron's going to be able to carry them for 82 games. Okay, he's also... It's his 20th year in the league. Yeah, he shouldn't I, be carrying them. This is insane that he's even as good as he still is. But then what, what's the game plan here? If he doesn't carry them, who's going to carry them? Anthony Davis? And How many games are you going to get out of that dude? Well, I mean, that's the big question mark. It's Is it Anthony Davis? I don't know. I mean, LeBron... 
I can't. My point is, I can't put this all on Russell Westbrook, and I don't even. You know, I don't even. No really one's t- putting it on him. He's putting it on himself by doing yeah. this stuff that he knows is going to get seen and viewed and criticized. I he, think. Yeah. I okay. I see your point, but that's just one one distraction in what is really a sinking ship of Lakerville. I just do not see how this team comes together. The mistake, and you know what? The mistake was when they brought him in. And really didn't have a plan for how they were going to fit him in there. They could have gotten other players. Yeah, Yeah. Westbrook. So the damage is already done. And now it feels like they're trying to figure a way to get out of it, but they just can't. So this was interesting, I thought, where Jeannie Buss was on Rich Eisen show. And she got pretty defensive uh, when Rich was asking her about the decision-making process with the Lakers. Who is in your inner circle? There's so much conversation this yeah, time about I, I, who is you, in your inner circle. Yeah, people Buss. are, like, fascinated with with uh, that for some reason. And, you know, I could ask you, do you ever ask Mark Cuban who his inner circle is or Joe Lacob who his inner circle is? It's just I, it, there's just something about being a woman, I think, that people feel like oh, you know, what crutches does she need or what does she lean on because she's not capable of doing it herself. Wow. What what do you think of that, Maggie? Okay. So I have no doubt that people probably think a certain way about Jeannie Buss just because she's a woman, right? There are going to be stereotypes that are going to follow her, and those are wrong. But I also think that the Lakers are just a mess. And so to wonder who is – in the inner circle, helping to make those decisions on a roster that doesn't look like it's fits uh, on, you know, uh, a one player who doesn't look like he wants to be there at all. I think that's a fair question. The other thing I would say about Jeannie is that first of all, and, and Rich actually did push back on this a little bit. We do ask, we, we are very curious about, you know, owners like Jerry Jones or like Hal Steinbrenner here in New York or Steve Cohen people who are in these high-profile jobs where people really, really care about their franchises, about who's helping to make the decisions. Really? I yeah. don't hear a lot of that. Like, do people really? I don't about think people Stephen know. Stephen Jones and Jerry? Yeah, but Definitely. nobody knows the third and fourth guy there. Everyone knows Stephen because he's his son. Well, we maybe we don't know the third and fourth guy because it's not Kirk Rambis, you yeah, know? No, I, well, I think there's two things. I think it's also the Lakers. The Lakers get more attention. Like, we always talk about the Lakers, and yeah. really there's seven or eight better teams that we probably should be talking about. Like, I, I was talking about the Nets-Bucks game, probably the two best teams in the East, and you're like, why are you watching the boring game? Let's talk about the Lakers. <laughs> so that the, it's the premier franchise in the NBA by far. That's So that's a little bit there's of There's a what, lot of palace injury yeah, yeah, with I, the Lakers. But the other part, too, is, and I listen, Again, I have no doubt that Jeannie Buss does get her fair share of people who stereotype her. Yet at the same time, then don't sit down with Bill Plaschke from the LA Times and talk about Linda and Kurt Rambis. Don't sit down with Rich Eisen and talk about this. Like, you also are out here, so and you want to do interviews because you want to be held accountable by the, by the public. That's a good thing. Then you're going to have to answer these questions. I don't think you can just jump right to the misogyny card on this. I mean, the Lakers, who, know, who is making the decision? And you got Phil Jackson, you got her brothers, you got Rob Polinka. When Kobe was alive, he's part of it. Magic Johnson is still in the inner circle. I mean, it's a fair question from Rich. I don't think it has anything to do with her being a woman. We asked James Dolan is sitting courtside. People are wondering what, how he's going to be, when, whenever, when's he going to insert himself into the Knicks business? We always wonder this stuff with high-profile mm. owners. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the second command for any of those people. I don't know. I don't know who runs any of those shows at all. I know my team, the Sixers. Right. You're invested in the Sixers. You right. know who is the decision makers are. Yeah, but it's messy, just like the Lakers. There's always there's been a few chefs in the yeah, kitchen. Right. 
But it's different with the Lakers. The Lakers get so much more attention. Like, Palenka just signed a contract extension, right? So, is he the GM? Like, couldn't we just... Can we leave well enough alone? Assume, okay, well, Rob Palenka's GM. He's running the show. Well, right? there's also a big question about how much influence does LeBron James' agency have in the Lakers yeah. because they've made moves that would make you think they have a lot of influence. Right, but I think we ask those questions, not because he's a woman, but because it's the Lakers. And Maybe. it's LeBron. Honestly, like, we spend probably more time in the Lakers than every other team combined. Well, but that's the privilege of being the Lakers. Yeah, and you have, be, a and, and you have LeBron base. James. Exactly. Yeah. I think we always do with LeBron teams, too. Those always have a lot of significance. Totally. And listen, again, I don't want to dismiss what she's saying there yeah. because obviously she's going to feel that way. But to jump to that, I felt like was a little, was just trying to divert the attention. Like, what are you going to try to shame Rich Eisen for asking you this question? Like, he wouldn't have asked it to Mark Cuban. If Mark Cuban had, you know, Dirk Nowitzki was maybe making decisions that were running the franchise into the ground. Maybe he'd ask. I'm just saying, like, you have Linda yeah, and Kurt Rambis there. Yeah. Who we know who they are. They're high-profile people. But Cuban. The only time we hear about Cuban people is when they get in ridiculous trouble. That yeah, makes no an sense. expose where people get fired. Yeah, but it is true. We don't know Cuban's decision-makers as well. At least I don't. I But I follow the Lakers. So do you. So it's totally... It's a Laker thing, and as well as I don't know what Jeannie Buss was saying, but I know if it happens in LA, we're paying attention to it. 855 CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up, Eagles Cowboys this weekend. Hear what Troy Aikman had to say about a possible quarterback controversy.